0: This season of the Arts Explanatory Comma podcast is brought to you in part by the City of Houston and Houston Arts Alliance. Houston Arts Alliance is a local arts and culture organization whose principal work is to implement the City of Houston's vision, values and goals for its art grant making and civic art investments. HAA's work is conducted through contracts with the City of Houston, overseen by the Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. HAA also executes privately funded special projects to meet the needs of the arts community, such as disaster preparation, research on the state of the arts in Houston and temporary public art projects that energize neighborhoods. In short, HAA helps artists and arts nonprofits be bold, productive and strong. We want to say thank you to Houston Arts Alliance and the city of Houston for your support of our little podcast. Now, let's get to it. Hey, just a quick heads up. This podcast may contain some adult language and adult themes. So if you got kids around, tell them earmuffs. If you're at work, put your headphones on. Just make sure you're not about to get in trouble for listening to this. Also, remember that it is all in artistic context. We're not just out here talking crazy for no reason all the time anyway. Um, but stay tuned.
1: to kind of chime in on whether or not they thought it was appropriate or inappropriate to share or not share information in the Mm -hmm. art. So like exhibition opportunities, funding opportunities, you know, and some people get upset with people for not sharing. And my thing was, why wouldn't you share? Because what's for you is for you. And can't Mm -hmm. nobody take it. This is true. You know, and it doesn't, and sometimes you can keep your hands so closed, so tight, you can't get nothing else in it
0: yeah so. very true- yeah. see you see you hear that mm-hmm.
1: yeah so I always try and keep my hand open
0: prior to today, I've had the pleasure of spending a day, only a day uh with our guest this week, well, several hours, not really, a full day um but I've studied her work online for about a year i haven't seen a whole lot of work in person until the last time i was here and then i saw tons of work there's so much more work here than you think raquel like so much more you haven't even seen her work in progress pile that's insane like crazy but anyway um uh her work is always called out to me for some reason that i didn't understand before um But I do think that it will be, I I think I figured it out and I think it will become apparent um, as we're in the midst of this conversation. Um, But that's, anyway. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Delita Martin is a force who speaks for, to, and about ancestors in her work and in life in a way that will resonate on a plane you were until now unfamiliar. Um, There's not enough that I can say about my new mentor, I've said this several times, my new mentor. Um, (laughs) So let's just prepare to receive wisdom and a lasting impression that will remain with you far beyond this moment. And welcome Delita Martin.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor and a pleasure and I'm excited.
0: I mean, if you say so, it's more honor and a pleasure. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, I'm going to try so hard not to pay (laughs) a girl
2: when I get there.
0: (laughs) I mean, I. So the last time we were on the way out here, in the car, I text Rebea and I was like, yo, <laughs> I'm right now on my way to go to your buddy's studio. And she was like, who? I was like, Delita. She was like, oh, my God. Yes. Tell my friend hi. Oh, my God. That and is I think so I forgot to, but whatever.
1: <laughs> we're saying it now. Well, that's my amazing sister, Rebea. She's um, part of the Rue group that I am a part of. We are um, sisters and and colleagues and friends and everything under the sun so yeah it's always great to hang out and visit with those ladies
0: and we'll definitely get to talking about Rue because that's important mm-hmm. um one of the goals of the podcast is to have all four members of Rue individually um and then collectively because I think that'll <laughs> be fun uh. I'll bring the rum <laughs> all and the f- wine all of y'all are very individual personalities, uh, big personalities. In and of yourselves, so I can only imagine what it's like it is when so all of y'all much are together
1: fun with those <laughs> ladies. I mean, it is—it's just absolutely incredible. We all, I think, have pretty strong. Um, personalities and but we just we click you know i mean there's just this undeniable relationship and sisterhood that happened between us um during our first show which i think you may have attended Mm -hmm. our first show and um it's just it it has only strengthened since we have uh, been showing together for the last several years yeah it's been amazing
0: so i think we'd like to start the same way we always start, always
1: start. You want
3: me to ask?
2: yeah
0: go for it what
1: is your earliest memory of art oh wow um i have i i can't i don't have a memory of of not creating art no. i think my earliest memory is probably around the age of four and um my entire family are Creative people. They're writers, they're visual artists, um, storytellers, and quilters and furniture makers. I came from makers, creators. And so um, I don't think I understood the significance of how I grew up and mm-hmm. my family until, you know, college. And quite frankly, I didn't understand that my father was an artist until I was. I'd say around 11 or 12. Oh. So art was just something that was done in my house. Mm-hmm. And so my earliest um drawing which, you know, I have in the studio is a drawing that I did on the back of my father's painting. So oh, I wow. drew on everything and I never got in trouble for it. So it was always encouraged. So um my mother would introduce me to people that would come over and she's like, "Oh, this is my youngest baby. She's an artist." So I grew up thinking I'm an artist. That's and amazing. so it um it never occurred to me that I wasn't. Mhm. You know.
0: That answers our other question. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say, when did you consider yourself? <laughs>
1: I'm just glad it worked out because it's like I—I I mean, there wasn't a plan B. Mm-hmm. It was I was going to be an artist. Um, my father went to Texas Southern University, so I was going to go to Texas Southern University. Oh, wow. um, what did you, you study? Th- um, I studied visual arts. Oh. My um, degree was in drawing. Okay, that was my concentration area, and so it was just—it was never a second thought. Um, And there were little things that happened um, as I grew up and you know, along my life that happened that just kind of reaffirmed that for me. That just kind of was like, okay, you're definitely on the right path. And um, so it was just never, it was never a second thought.
0: Well, I mean, as the patriarch of the Marcellus clan likes to say, and he told all, he told his boys this all the time. If you have a fallback, you're going to fall back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense.
0: <laughs> I didn't learn that until later in life, uh-huh. so I deviated a lot. Like I knew I wanted to make art in the seventh grade. Wow, and yeah. bad experience at TSU, as a matter of fact, pushed me away from art for eight years. But that and oh well, you know, art's not a real job. You, it's a hobby. Da-da-da-da. All that, like oh, that conversation. So,
1: uh, <laughs> well, it was really interesting because my parents never, never said that. You know, yeah. they were always very encouraging. My siblings, um, my aunts, my uncles, everyone was very, very encouraging. You know, for me to go to art school, for me to be an artist, yeah. and so, um, and it was really interesting because I don't think anyone really understood um, necessarily how to make it a career or turn it into yeah. this financial um, job because there is there's definitely art and then there's the business side of art yeah. and that's a really really tough 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 area of the arts but it's a necessary part yeah. of art and so there wasn't any <clears throat> early training in that it was something that I had to figure out along the way but um, I think when you You know, I've always been encouraged to pursue the arts and encouraged to figure it out. Mm. If, you know, turning to the left doesn't work, then you turn to the right. And if that doesn't work, then fall back a couple of steps and just Mm. figure it out. Yeah. And that's what I've always done.
0: When do you feel like that clicked? Because I feel like so many artists that we talk to and artists that I have relationships with, Mm -hmm. we talk about it to this day and... I mean, these are people that in their fifties and sixties like, man, I'm still trying to figure this shit out.
1: <laughs> um, it has always been there. It has, it's never not been there. I mean, yeah. literally as a five-year-old hearing someone say, this is my baby, she's an artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you grow up thinking I'm yeah. an artist and you, I mean, you know, it was just instilled in me to figure it out. Yeah to figure out how to do whatever it is that you want to do and I try and encourage my son I mean I think my son came to me and said hey I want to be Superman and I'm like okay well what does that look like for you I mean do I need to get the cape what what you need you know and we need to figure out how to tailor whatever it is to whatever it is that you want to do so my thing is making the impossible possible that's one of my rules if you say I can't do it
0: figure out a way to I gonna figure out a way yeah. to do
1: it or get really really close yeah so um so yeah that was something that I just grew up with hmm. so when did you start charging for your art I think I
2: saw transi- no I always when I think it's a fair question is that if you've always no, been an absolutely. artist when did you make the transition to
1: my art as a business or career I sold my first piece of art in the 10th grade okay. um, my science teacher bought it for $76 Wow and it was such a, a
0: random moment. it
1: was so random <laughs> because she asked me for the price and um, it I was like I said I was in the 10th grade my science teacher bought it I sold two pieces I sold one piece for $10 and one piece for $76 and um,
2: so the person who got the $10 one really made a, they're about, they're, they got a return on their investment. Right, exactly.
1: Immediately. So, um, yeah, so I was really excited to um, make that my first sale and to sit there and just let that soak in was really amazing. But the price, like you said, was so random. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really random. Because, you know, I had no idea, you know, what I was doing, but it yeah. felt really good. So I yeah. knew, yeah, this is it.
0: That's so interesting because, for me, it's a perspective thing, right? Because I sold my first piece at, I think I was in like the sixth or seventh grade, but to me, because of how I grew up and where I grew up, it was a hustle. Like it wasn't, a it wasn't selling dope, yeah. yeah, but it was a hustle, right? So I never thought of it as, oh, I sold an art piece. I was like. This yeah. motherfucker bought this shit? Cool. Like, <laughs> so like
3: you
0: get a lick? Yeah, like I, I paid for school clothes, back to school clothes, sneakers mm. all through middle school and a good part of high school by drawing pictures for people. That's awesome. You know what I'm saying? And never once did I think about it like, oh, look at me out here selling artwork. Like, nah, I was out here.
1: Yeah, I remember being in kindergarten, and um, we had this coloring sheet, and it was a farmhouse, a barn, actually, with a tree and a fence on a mm-hmm. hill. And um, I was trying to blend crayons, blend the colors, crayon colors. I know, right? <laughs> and my teacher said, hey, everyone, Delita is using such wonderful colors. You should look at her work to get an idea of maybe some of the colors you should you should use and i remember my classmates lining up and walking by my desk looking at my work and i was like whoa this is it and i was in kindergarten and so that feeling was like really that was like one of my earliest moments when when art felt good when it felt right, like okay, yeah, i I am an artist, I can really do this,, yeah. you know, and so um that that's you know one of my earliest memories yeah. of really that moment when I'm like, okay, I am an artist,
0: how do you think that support that lifelong support of your work has benefited or influenced your work at all, um
1: any? It's an, it's It's been a benefit because um, it has put me in the mindset of keep it moving, keep it going, keep mm-hmm. creating, never stop creating, never doubt yourself. You know, there are going to be moments when you question, when there's question. you're not questioning your work, but there are questions in your work. Yeah. There's questions in your process. And so um, it's taught me to deal with those moments and not... Um, get dist- discouraged and yeah. walk away you know f- do that fall back thing yeah. there's nothing to fall back on but just it, it has encouraged me to continue to grow as an artist um, and it's something that I try and I guess share with other artists particularly mm-hmm. emerging artists you know I'm highly encouraging them like yeah you can do this you yeah. know and I've taught in the university setting and I've had mm-hmm. students tell me you know, I don't know if I can do this. You know, my parents say this. I'm like, you can do it if you want to do it. But as artists, we have to be creative with our jobs. You know, yeah. we don't necessarily have um, that plan like, you know, executives do, or, mm-hmm. you know, traditional in a mm-hmm. professions where you, you go to school, you do your internship, you stay in this position for a year, then you move, they have a plan. Yeah. You know, we don't have that plan, but we do have creativity. So it's our job to create our jobs. Black Box Press was my creation. That was my baby, my vision of yeah. what my studio was going to be. Mm-hmm. And so um, I had to be creative in how my studio practice <clears throat> was going to be and how to turn that into a business. So that was, that was quite an adventure for me was, you know, figuring out how do I make black box, black box press studio, Delita Martin, creative artist. how do I turn that into a business? And what does that look like for me? What does success look like to me?
2: So Mm -hmm. what
1: does success look like to you? Well, success for me has been, um, being able to exhibit my work, being able to um, support my family. That was really huge for me, was being able to, to help support my family mm-hmm. in a financial sense, um, support my studio. So I set little goals for myself when I initially started, you know. Um, my, my, my husband and my job that I had, you know, working in the corporate world and all of that was really supporting my art at that time and so my first goal was to stop spending household funds on art supplies and Mm. you know have my studio be able to self-sustain and I reached that goal I was like wow this is amazing it felt really good Mm. my next goal was to be able to contribute to the household Mm. through my art and when I reached that goal I was like wow, that's amazing. So it's like, how do I turn, you know, Black Box Press into this studio empire? You know, what's, what What does that look yeah. like? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so just every year, um, setting goals for myself and figuring out, you know, what the growth and the success looks like for me, not for other people, mm-hmm. but for me and for, for my happiness and my satisfaction. So, um, you know, learning that business side of art has has been um a must yeah, yeah.
0: sorry i'm just kind of <laughs> like i'm listening i really am but it's also very we got a very uh amazing atmosphere going on right now mm-hmm. Like with these with these fridge doors open, the birds chirping in the background.
2: Us young people call it the vibe, but
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'll let like you. Uh, you know what I'm saying?
1: Like, I'm just dated myself. She's sub thirty. So
0: exactly, you know what I'm saying? And I got her by nine years, so that makes me feel like okay, cool. Like it's different, like. How yeah, you, know, you I mean, <laughs> yes, but at the same time, like, still kind of that same same yeah. era. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But this is different. This is different. I don't. Anywho, don't
2: mess up the vibe, Mark. These
0: cheerings. Uh,
2: <laughs> Cheerins.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about the evolution of your work. Like, okay. how what do you was, describe
2: your art? That's I feel like we should. Oh, yeah. oh wow! How, how would you I describe, describe my art? Um,
0: I've heard her describe her art. It's great. <laughs>
1: Is that what I was doing? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know. No one asked me the direct question. Um, seriously, um, I, well, let me describe myself. Okay. Because uh, when I think about my art, I think of myself as a vessel. Okay. I mean, my art is working through me. When I walk into the studio every single day, um, I, they tell me what to do. They tell me you know, when I work on the women in my work, um, I'm here to tell their story. Okay. And there may be, there are times when there are images that I have to sit with for a while because they haven't told me who they are. Mm-hmm. They haven't told me what story they want to tell. And so um, I'm literally uh, just, I'm literally just a vessel, mm-hmm. you know, and the work works through me. So um, it's a story. It's, it's a history, it's a documentation, it's it's all of those things and more. So it's really, um, for me, I guess it's really hard to kind of uh, describe it. Okay. So I think that's like the best description I can give.
2: No, I think that's a wonderful, I see what Mark was saying, that's a wonderful description. Um, so the people that you depict in your work, mm-hmm. are they, I don't want to say real people, but are they people you know
1: or are they, a no, part that's a, of your imagination. That's a very uh, good question because okay. that has that process itself has been an evolution. Okay. So um, from day one, um, I'd say starting out, the work was very much about, and it still is to this day. But the women were a combination of many different women. Mm-hmm. The women that I grew up with, with my mother, my my grandmother, the the women, the the lady down the street mm-hmm. that you know helped raise you, all of those women. Um, could show up in one image and so over time um i think within the last year in particular last two years maybe um i have been actually working from photographs of family members actual family members and so um i up until this point i've very rarely worked with photographs Mm -hmm. um i've never been interested in portraiture from the traditional sense i feel like um i I love you know, I find it amazing when artists are this super hyper realist artists. their mm-hmm. work is incredible mm-hmm. um for me, um uh, I don't think it's necessary um if that was the case, I'd be a photographer,
3: mm-hmm.
1: but um, I have always been interested in capturing the spirit of an individual. I don't care what it looks like. Mm -hmm. I want people to be able to spiritually connect with an image. And so to kind of give you an example of this, I did a show at the Mosaic Templars Center in um, Little Rock. Mm -hmm. And there was this lady, and I want to say she was probably in her 70s or 80s, and she was with a church group, and she came up to me and she grabs my hand and she starts to cry and she says honey you have shown us in our in all of our realness and she said you've shown our lips you've shown our noses you've shown our hair and you've shown us in just who we are Mm -hmm. and that was the greatest compliment that I could have ever been given because I felt like I had done my part. She understood what I was trying to say. I wanted to say how beautiful we as a people are. And so um, to have her come I look at her and she's my mother. She's my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And to have my mother and my grandmother come to me and say, you've done well. That was incredible for me. That sounds amazing. It, it, It was... It was a moment where I had to stop because I still get choked up about it because it's like I did what I was supposed to do.
0: Mm-hmm. So. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm,
1: I wish I that stopped.
2: everyone could see Mark's <laughs> face right now. He's got stars in his eyes.
0: I mean, so the thing is like, it, that's, so when I first started creating, it was graffiti names and things like that. This mm-hmm. is... Early nineties, and you know, I'm a backpack hip hopper. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm watching Rap City before they had a space. Where it was <laughs> Big Tigger in some random Brooklyn basement, stuff like that. So that was the stuff that I was interested in. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like when you first start creating, you grab the things that are nearest to you. Correct. Right. The 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 things that you see every day. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll say that the things that you see every day, not the things that are nearest to you. Because as I began to, well, for me, like the eight years that I took away from art, that was necessary. Because I needed to understand like, okay, cool, you can draw. You can play with paint a little bit. Cool. What are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. So when I came back around to it, I thought I started realizing, like, I started looking at James Van Der Zee photographs and Gordon Parks photographs. And mm-hmm. um, they spoke to me. And I realized I like art that speaks to me, right? And then I started realizing like, oh shit, I want to say something. (laughs) I want to say things. I want to represent the people that are around me. I want to help people work through whatever it is they might be trying to work through, through the work that I create. So for me, when I see someone else's work, that makes me think about those things and look deeper, not actually looking at, the line work or anything like that like sure I see it and I pay attention but I'm looking deeper still Mm -hmm. to the spirit of it the soul of the work things like that so seeing pretty pictures is cool but if it ain't saying shit I don't want to look at it too long (laughs) (laughs) you know so
1: but I think there's this and I think that you're able to pick up on that because I firmly believe that as artists when we create um, there's this transference that happens between mm-hmm. you and the work yeah. and so you're, um, that connection that happens, you can see it in the work and you yeah. can see when there's a disconnect between the artist and what they do Yeah, and so I think that that's really easy to pick up on um, and so in order to be able to have that happen in my work it's important for me to Come into the studio with no preconceived ideas. Yeah. Like I don't know what I'm gonna do when I walk in here. People are like, "So, do you have a sketchbook?" I'm like, "Nope." I go straight to the paper, and I and I and, I, and I'm hesitant to say that because I've I've told all my students all the years I've said, "You need, you, a, sketch you need a sketchbook," <laughs> and, but I I don't do a sketchbook. I go straight to the actual work. I, it goes from my head to the work, and um, it's just. Necessary to come in and be a clean slate, to be yeah. open, which is why I meditate first thing when I come into the studio, is so that I can be open enough to receive what I'm supposed to receive. Yeah, receive direction.
0: Yeah, and, and like seeing your work before being a party to the conversation that you and Danny were having when I first arrived.
3: Uh huh.
0: Um, <laughs> seeing your work prior to that like I knew there was something deeper because the thing is like and and I think uh you mentioned this during that conversation also when you look at somebody's work if you're busy trying to figure out what techniques they use Mm -hmm. what materials they use it ain't saying nothing to you (laughs) so for me I see your work and I'm just like just sitting there Thinking.
1: Well, that's a secondary conversation. Like, I don't mind people having that conversation yeah. with my work as well. I mean, it's all part of, of the process. But... Um it's, it's secondary. Exactly. It's secondary. Exactly. What I want you to do is connect with mm-hmm. the work. I mean, I've had people come to me and say, oh, my gosh, you know, that frying pan that you put in the work. My grandmother had one yeah. like that. Or we used to use one in our home. Or, I mean, even just connecting with the colors in the work yeah. and the patterns in the work. That's all a part of a conversation. Yep. Those are conversations. Mm-hmm. And when people have those conversations with my work, I've done my job. Yeah. I've I've done it.
0: And that's exactly it. Like I I'll I'll sit with it. And of course eventually I'm gonna be like, oh okay, I'm wondering what type of paper this is, what mm-hmm. th- you know, all those things.
1: That secondary yeah. conversation but starts that, to happen. That
0: don't come till I've sat with it for a good ten minutes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know I'm saying? Like, sure, I'm gonna bring it back to business, but yeah, let me just live with this right now, right. you know? And I think right. I, I think that's a very important thing. I'm, we're saying the same thing, so. But I think for people that don't think about artwork as deeply, like mm-hmm. they just see images, I think that's because, um, and we talked about this as well. They're not seeing. Yeah, not there's a difference. Seen.
1: There's a difference between seeing artwork and looking at artwork. Mm-hmm and i've stressed that with my students in the past you have to be able to see see beyond you know the technical aspects of the work yeah. and that takes place i think when people cannot be intimidated by art yeah. you know i encourage people don't be intimidated by art yeah. art is an interpretation you know it how, how do you connect with the work? So I encourage people yeah. to have their own connection. I don't mind sharing my story and sharing why I did whatever it was I did, mm-hmm. you know, for that particular work. But tell me what you think, you yeah. know? And that's that's when the dialogue starts to happen. Yeah.
2: So for the dumb art question, which is <laughs> my main purpose, can you walk us through your process of creating? Like, I look at it and I see layers and I see vivid colors. But yeah. I guess... Sure. It's gonna, it sounds stupid, but how do you make the work that we're gonna show?
1: Um, I have this love for paper, so all of my work is created on paper. Um, my students used to call me a paper snob. I'd kind of walk by their desk and fill their paper for their projects, and I'm like, mm, that's what you're using? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you say so. <laughs> you know, but um, I love paper, um, I love patterns, I love textures, I love fabrics, all of those things. And so, um, technically um i typically create the veilscape which um from people who aren't familiar with my work which is the background so the backgrounds for me represent a space um a spiritual space and it's it's the space between the the waking world and the spiritual world and that's where the portraits exist and that is typically the first thing that happens and then the portrait comes the portrait is always um, usually done with charcoal Um, sometimes it's a lithograph sometimes a relief but mostly charcoal and from that that point there's a push and pull that happens between the mediums Um, so there's drawing there's painting there's collage there's sewing everything yeah. and I, and I think that for me that was one of the most freeing Moments in my life when I walked into the studio and I gave myself permission to be the artist that I needed to be And I needed to be that artist that said you know what drawing isn't getting it today I need to print it or printing isn't working today. I need to paint it, you know Just giving myself permission to be a creator Mm -hmm. um, That was really really huge for me and that was a turning point Um, in my career as an artist.
0: I just want to point out that I don't think it's a coincidence that Delita and Rebea (laughs) have this kinship because going back to season one, episode two, uh, Rebea also talked about the freedom after realizing that she needed to give herself permission. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I don't think, I think as artists, we don't always give ourselves that permission. Yeah. You know, I went to school in undergrad for drawing. And so it's like, okay, I'm a draftsman, draftswoman, you know, whatever you want to say. And then I go to graduate school for printmaking. And it's like, I'm a printmaker. And you were taught to kind of stay in those categories stay in your lane yeah and um I'm driving all over the road right now and it's you just have to give yourself permission to do what you need to do Mm -hmm. creatively and that's what I did and it was a struggle I mean it was a really really hard struggle and I had to literally stand in the mirror every day and I do mean I did this and look at myself and say it's okay It is totally okay i get frustrated in the studio i'm like hey this is your creative story this is you telling the story for these women this is your space you're inviting people to view it and if they like it great if they don't whatever yeah you know and so um kind of realizing that and you know it doesn't it, it gets easier but it doesn't necessarily disappear. Mm. And when I catch myself, I'm like, "Whoa, wait a minute, let's yeah. let's back it up again." You know, I have to give myself permission again. Yeah. So, you know.
0: I've, what, I'm. Listen. I know our guys are
2: like Mark doesn't have much <laughs> to say. What's happening? Y'all, he has stars in his eyes. Well, I'm so like, I'm. I'm take a video. I
0: mean. <laughs> and the same thing happened last time I was here. Like, I'm just thinking about the work that is to be created by my hand and the things that I'm beginning to understand that I need to work through in order to do that just by listening to the leader. <laughs> like, I, and I'll, nah, cause like, and I'll share this with you that like, last time we were here and you were talking about your experiences um, dealing with spirit realms and things like mm-hmm. that, right? I grew up in the church. Both my parents preachers. There was never really a thought. Mm -hmm. Other than. God. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Of the spirit world being positive. Uh. Right. Nor. Was it. Was there any thoughts of cleansing your spirit. Respective of the way the church does, it, right? Holy water, praying in tongues and all that, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no no thought of that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So like I know because of the trauma that my family has suffered. There's a bunch of shit with me that shouldn't be with me, and I probably need to take care of that shit before I can fully put myself into the work that I need to. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. like it, I went home that night and i'm absolutely positive i don't know who this person was (laughs) but somebody came to me while i was sleeping Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and talked to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this shit was weird because i was nervous but i wasn't scared like i used to be when i was little Mm -hmm. like it's so deep when my family is so deep i used to wake up and my parents would be like at the store or next door at the church mm-hmm. and i'd be scared that the rapture happened and i didn't get taken you know what i'm saying <laughs> like so think about that like i've seen exorcisms and all that shit like it's only been told to me this shit is negative unless it's jesus is negative um so <laughs> but
1: you know it, it's you know as not just as artist because it should go beyond just being an artist but yeah. my art practice I had to realize that it's a part of every aspect of who I am Mm -hmm. and I can't be the the whole person that I need to be unless I am mentally strong I am physically strong and I am spiritually strong yeah and you have to take care of yourself in all of those areas and so um this is like I said this is it's been such a growth process you know and spirituality was an area in which i had to work on i had to come to the realization that you know there is a spirit realm Mm -hmm. which i which i grew up knowing and and grew up but i have a different relationship with that than i did from my childhood Mm -hmm. um based on you know being brought up in the church and mm-hmm. so, um, again, giving yourself permission to be the person you need to be and not apologizing yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, my family doesn't necessarily agree with, you know, my practices or mm-hmm. my thought process, but I'm okay with that. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably be okay with that too. Cause I'm not changing, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm good, but, but I, but I needed to be who I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I'm not, you know, I, I was very timid about it at first, um, first approach. And um, when I, you know, when I made the changes in the areas of my life that I needed to, I saw a reflection of it in my work, Mm -hmm. you know. So um, it's definitely a necessary thing. And I encourage all emerging artists or even um, mid-career practicing artists, wherever you are in your career, you know, stop every once in a while and do some self Reflection and figure out what yeah. you need to do, what you need to have happen, because yeah. you know it's a growth is is um, you never stop growing. Yeah,
0: you know? yeah. Well, when you stop growing, you die. Like exactly. <laughs> That's the. I didn't want to be so time. grim about it, but yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, that's the only time you stop growing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, absolutely.
1: And then you go on to another space. Yeah,
0: and also to make that funny, like. I don't think I don't no You no. don't have to
1: make it funny. No no no
0: but it is funny it is funny It's a funny thing It's a funny thing I learned that's really random. Like no matter how old you get your nose and your ears never stop growing. So that's why you see older people with like really big ears mm-hmm. and really big noses. Like that shit's funny to me. Right? Like
2: I did not know that. Your
0: action your body may start it's shrinking. Like, thanks
1: for sharing. Yeah. Yeah, your
0: body may start shrinking the and more all you that. Know. But you're still growing because you're not dead. Okay. See? You see. There you go. <laughs> I always the have to you make know. it funny always have to make the funny i have to do a rainbow (laughs) well so when did you notice the shift in your work when did you notice that which
2: one (laughs) what what shifts have you noticed in your work there you go um there have (laughs) been
1: there are what i call transitional pieces that are created and so what i do occasionally i still do it i would highly recommend it for other artists um every so often and it doesn't have to be a set time it has to be a time that works well for you
3: um
1: so every so often probably every year or two couple of years i'll take out every piece of work that i have in the studio and i'll lay it out and i'll have a conversation with myself and it's like a self-reflection Um, critique, self-critique and I'm looking at the work and I'm like, what is the common relationship between these pieces? Once I figure that out, I'm like, why? Mm -hmm. And then it's like, well, what am I trying to say? And then you have a better grasp as to what you need to be doing. And so every so often when you lay all this work out, there's going to be one piece, particularly if you put it in like this somewhat chronological order, there's going to be this one piece that's a transitional piece. Mm -hmm. Like you have all this work that's consistent from here to here and then there's this wow piece and you're like whoa where did that come from that's like totally random well it's not random but there's a growth that happened there so it's up to you to look at that piece and figure out what that looks like so so those happen all the time for me
0: do you work thematically
1: (sighs) no well yes and no I work in series, and it's really kind of a long going series. So right now, the conversation—well, my first conversation, or what I consider my first conversation, was about identity, the reconstruction of identity okay. of Black women. Okay. That grew into um, a physical identity. That grew into identity of place that grew into spiritual identity which is where i am now um so each body of work is a conversation or um uh of the previous body of work so there's this continual rolling conversation so it's kind of like having a mature conversation and you wanting that conversation to grow and to expand and to reach other areas. And so that's what happens in my work. So right now I'm still talking about identity, but I'm talking about spiritual identity. How do we identify ourselves as a spiritual other? And what does that visually look like to me, the artist?
0: Okay. Hmm well no i'm just again i'm learning there's
1: all different types (laughs) of identity you know what is your mental identity what is your spiritual identity what you know how do you marry into the spaces that you're in you know and so when you look at my work and you see the figure or the portrait um there's this push and pull between the veilscape or that pattern that happens in the work that's how the we marry into the spaces that we're in some areas fight and some areas just blend together real yeah. easy and that's life that's mm-hmm. life within itself
0: yeah yeah i asked that question because that's another area in which i have to give myself permission because the thought is oh you have to work in these themes you have to work thematically and all this shit. but then i, I mean realize- it
1: may be that you're in the middle of working Um, and I don't even like to really call them things. I like to call them conversations or, you know, perspectives or, you know, all these other things. And it may be that you're talking about one thing right now and something else comes up and you change conversations and you come back to that conversation and then you look up and you figure out how these conversations are linked. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much that could be done with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I mean and that's the thing like so just thinking about my own work because I one of the reasons that the podcast was started is because like I need to share good energy mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to uh, you know uh, artists know this like that good energy that you get from sitting down and talking to someone who may know a little bit more than you or it's just looking at the work differently than you mm-hmm. like that helps you when you go back oh, into absolutely. the studio right so for me and I know I've heard from listeners that, you know, listening to the podcast helps them kind of figure out where they're going within their own work.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: And right now I find myself, I think I told you about the All My Niggas is Saints. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: And then there's another kind of sub-topic with that, which is relics of our lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm trying to think like, okay, do I need to keep working? Like, rigidly thematically or just do what i feel within those things and just see what happens my
1: thing is like do what you feel within those things because it may be that you just need to look at a different way to work your way back um again that's the whole thing of working intuitively Uh is that um you know you start off in a conversation yeah, you, know, you start off talking to your girlfriend about your this outfit you wear, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, you're talking about you know a career and something. You know, yeah. just conversations yeah. evolve. Yeah. I mean, just allow room for the conversation to evolve, yeah. and you can sit back and look at it and be like, oh, like I I pulled out work the other day. I think I posted up my um some abstract pieces yeah. online, and just looking at that and looking at the current work and seeing how um texture has evolved how the yeah. you know the use of color was introduced and but still holding on to those same elements from the abstract yeah. work that I, I mean that's that was a conversation that was like 2006 yeah you know but you can see where they're related yeah. today
0: and i don't i don't think for myself and other artists that aren't at the level where they want to be mm-hmm. i think sometimes that block happens because we're trying to work so rigidly thematically
1: when i stopped <laughs> first of all that you know it's i'm glad you brought that up um i had to figure out that so i had a path sort of a path yeah. and it was totally my process made up but it helped me uh, number 1 i decided what type of artist I wanted to be. Hmm. And within that, I had to be okay with it. Not you, not you, not the teacher, not this person over here. I had to be the artist that I wanted to be, and I had to be okay with it. Next step was deciding what does success look like for you? How do you envision yourself being successful as this particular type of artist? third step was how do you get there what artists do you know has reached the gold or you envision you know that that is doing what you want to do what was their path yeah and you research the hell out of who were they where have they exhibited Um, what schools did they go to what was their major who they hanging out with because obviously I'm hanging out with the wrong people because I'm not showing in the same place that yeah. you're showing at. But, I mean, just, just really doing your research, looking at their work. Um, I heard Carrie James Marshall um, speak at this um, event here in Houston, and he was talking about, you know, he had a choice where he could recreate the images that he saw in the museum, you know, the historically white images and just put the black figure in them or he could figure out why did these pieces get into the museum what was their real importance and then take that formula and apply it to his work Mm. in order to uh, encompass the people or or he could be able to put the work into the museums that he wanted to see and that others should be seen so it's, it's that same you know process and that was my path to you know what I call success you know for me Yeah. what's
2: been one of your most difficult experiences in your art career that you are willing to share
1: oh difficult I mean the whole thing is different well you know what Um, I think the business side of art Mm -hmm. has been really really difficult Um, it's you know when you're an artist and you decide that you're going to go into business for yourself you know because that's basically what you're doing when you're you're like i'm an artist i'm going to live work support myself as an artist well there's that business side of it so you're the artist you're the ceo you're the cfo you're the you're the chick in the mailroom. You are, <laughs> you know, the receptionist at the front. You are all of these things and you wear all of these hats. Yeah. And that's a really huge, huge, huge job. So um, it's been difficult from that standpoint, because, again, there's no formula it works different for every artist you know that part being successful you know working out it, it's different for every artist yeah. um, then the aspect of building a team you know you get to a point in your career where you're hiring assistants and you're bringing people in to help you and then you get into the whole issue of not being controlling like I need to let some stuff go yeah. you know how to do I do so so that running art as a business I think has been difficult um, you know but it's it's doable um it's it's a lot
0: yeah how do you feel like you've figured that part out no no Um, uh, you
1: okay. know what i'm not gonna say I, I haven't figured it out um it's such a an evolving process yeah. Um i'm figuring it out um i'm learning every single day so you know i i'm learning well i I've learned how to price my work. Um, I'm learning how to market my work. I'm yeah. learning how to build relationships with galleries, um, collectors, um, contracts, um, you know, setting standards for yourself yeah. in that you're not taken advantage of in the in this crazy rat race Mm -hmm. world you know so um it's a constant evolution and again there's no hard fast rules so you're always going to be learning um about that and and building on the experiences that you've already
2: are you learning um through trial and error or do you have like specific resources that
1: Um, I have resources in that, you know, I have friends that I can call, I have friends that are curators that I can call up and be like, Hey, you know, what should I expect from this museum? What, what are my expectations? Do I need to taper them? Do I need to, you know, ask for more? What do I need to do? So I always have those resources and I think people have resources, you know, I hope I'm a resource to other people. Um, but I'm still... I'm still learning. I'm still building off of that. Okay. But I do have resources. I have friends, you know, and there's the internet and, yeah. Yeah. you know, all kinds of things. So.
0: Okay. so, this is kind of switching gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we always kind of <laughs> ask these questions because.
2: I never know which gear he's about to switch. Oh. <laughs> 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 he's just along for
1: the yeah. ride, right? No, no,
0: no, no. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. How has your womanness? Or your blackness mm-hmm. affected your performance in the art world, art market,
1: navigating it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Wow, that's
2: a good question. That was the question I was actually getting ready to. Oh, ask. really? <laughs> the See you um,
1: <laughs> it has. I'm not going to say that it doesn't have an effect because it absolutely does because it's very much a part of who I am and it informs my work. Um, I think that because I am who I am, I'm a black woman, um, you know, I'm an artist, um, all of those things are revolutionary. I am revolutionary in my body as a woman. Yeah, I'm revolutionary in my body as... Uh, a black woman, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm an artist, you know, all of these things um, sometimes bother people, Mm -hmm. you know, and to have them all together you know, how do you navigate a space, you know, being who you are, and sometimes that is a challenge, but um, I do it unapologetically and I understand that there are opportunities that may not come my way because of who i am and because i who i choose to be i choose to be because i was actually um it's kind of funny um i was told a couple of years ago on social media um, that my work was very beautiful they love my work but i probably shouldn't identify myself as an african-american woman because that could be problematic
2: I was going to ask you that. Is that. Yeah. Do you,
1: in the
2: fine art world, do you find that your identity has some kind of influence or blockage on, I guess, how you use it?
1: To be honest with you, I don't pay that much attention to it. At this point, I am who I am. And when I decided to be who I was, that's the day I became an artist, was when I said, I don't really care what you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean... I don't wanna sound flippant about it and I don't want to sound like I don't care about, you know, people in general. Mm-hmm. But I am so open and willing to share who I am yeah. as an artist and as a person because it comes through my work mm-hmm. and I invite people, you know, to view the work, but I just may not be the artist for you. And if I'm not, that's okay. Yeah. And so at that moment I i can't i mean it's really hard for me to say or to give you an example of a time when it really affected me because like i said the moment i stopped worrying about what people thought Mm -hmm. that's when i became an artist yeah Yeah. it was like whatever (laughs) do you only depict black women in your work no i've done men um young boys children um this is what i choose to do now mm-hmm. um i had a brilliant professor um my mentor to this day uh he told me once he said if your spirit tells you to paint apples for the next year that's what you need to do because your spirit is trying to say something mm-hmm. and that's what i did i paint what i'm told or i draw a print or whatever i'm told to do that's what i do yeah
2: This might be the quietest Mark's ever been on the podcast. <laughs> well, so it's, and it's not a bad thing. It's a it's, yeah. it's an amazing thing. It's a it's, rare thing. Well, it's interesting
0: because I've I've shared you know my whole discouraged story from Texas Southern, uh, my my experience there, um, which even now it really bugs me because it would have been really cool to get my degree in art from Texas Southern. Uh, but I was told that certain things that don't belong in the art room. I was told graffiti doesn't belong in the art room. I was told that I was disrespecting women by following the instructions of the assignment that so I was bad. given. I told you oh, I'll say his name. i don't I feel like he said
1: it, his name. I know Harvey he Johnson. Johnson. Okay, that's my mentor. I was just... is
2: it? So... <laughs> Just, can we pause real quick? Because when you said that, I was like, I wonder yep. if it's the same Yo. person. It's absolutely the same person. Oh well,
0: I've talked, I've talked very greasy me. about Harvey Johnson because he shit all over me. I my actually fresh feel like freshman actually year, my have daddy.
1: Professor Johnson on the podcast. So you this not <laughs> talk about my daddy like so
0: that. So this is the thing.
1: <laughs> I feel like other than basketball,
0: other than basketball, art was the only thing that I knew I was good at. I went to Texas Southern and he raved about my technique.
3: I be mean, no knowing.
0: <laughs> he, he raved about my drawing ability and then proceeded to shit on me and tell me, he told me graffiti didn't belong in the, class, in, in the art room. It's not of fine art. Now, what I did was he told us to compare or use a wash basin as the beginning of a drawing and compare that to now somehow so okay. I did a diptych with a wash basin row houses clothing lines all that on one side on the other side a Kenmore washer and dryer set a little basketball in front of it like a, a basement laundry room scene because I'm used to what I'm, the work that I've been doing. I put old school in old English letters, which didn't make sense, but whatever. And then I put new school in graffiti. Gave me a D minus on the entire project. Well,
1: if it makes you feel <laughs> like, better, I think I failed his class at least twice. Like, flat out failed. And I finally took an image to him once and he says... Ms. Pinchback, I think you might pass my class this semester. I but, like we need to
2: have like a, a doctor for a moment and have
1: but, Professor Johnson. I'm going to say this in in Mr. Johnson's defense. And I don't even know if I should say this, but I probably should. he's absolutely nuts. <laughs> but I got it. But but he made sense to me. Yeah. He made so he was that one professor and still is to this day. That can talk me off the ledge, mm. I get him, he gets me, and he didn't necessarily approve of every single thing yeah. that I did, but um there was a connection that he insisted that we have, and he told me something something else once that made perfect sense, and that it has been my teaching philosophy when I teach other students, yeah. so he um It was really interesting so he had me drawing you know we were doing the figure and um i kept he told me he says go back and change these hands so i said okay so i go back to my my space and i said i i can't do this because i've been drawing hands like this for a really long time and he's never said anything let me go back and ask him now yeah So I said, Mr. Johnson, why are you asking me to change these hands? I've always drawn them like this. You've never said anything. What's the problem? He says, had I asked you to change them then, you would not have understood what I meant. You are at a point now where you understand what I need you to do. So you teach students where they are. Mm -hmm. And that's what he did for me. And so, you know, I... No, I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he he was hard because he was a traditionalist. And he doesn't... He he wasn't ever, not even always, he just wasn't ever open to graffiti, yeah. the, the new art thing. But I've always been... A, I've had professors like Mr. Johnson and they have always been able to um, bring something out of me that other professors were not. So I've had three absolutely crazy, or I have three absolutely crazy mentors. I yeah. mean, just completely nuts. But I love them. Yeah. And um, my thing was, I, I've, I've researched them. Mm-hmm. I've, you know grad school, my grad professors, I researched every single one of them have mad respect for them and i opened myself up in a way that i pushed all this stuff i air quotes know yeah over to the side and opened myself up to learning something new so you can always glean off what you need mm-hmm. oh, and yeah. discard the rest take what you need oh yeah because the there was a lot of stuff that i had to push over to yeah. the side with these three individuals But I got other stuff. And I'm a much, much better person for it now than I was. But don't think. I mean, I hid from him (laughs) all graduation week before I put my show up because I knew he was going to tell me that there was at least three or four images that I had no business putting on the wall. Yeah. So I I was hiding, like calling Professor Green out to the car to look at some work that I was about to go get framed. But um That's funny. But you know, I just I had to I think today, um it's difficult for particularly this younger generation to understand what what mentorship is, what yeah. that means being a mentee. Means that relationship between the mentor and the mentee, or that um the whole idea of apprenticeship yeah. um, I find that they find it difficult to humble themselves enough to put what they know yeah. air quotes again over to yeah. the side and try something new yeah and throw it away later if you don't need it. Yeah. so I spent three years in graduate school doing some stuff I I had no interest in. Yeah. I'm a better artist for it now. Have no intentions of ever revisiting it again, yeah. but I got mad skills because of it. Yeah. And so I think Harvey um Definitely falls in that category. Don't be talking about my daddy. Hey, listen, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you. You
0: don't want to go back and listen to to the first season, then. because I t- listen. <laughs> don't be talking about I my call, daddy,
1: man.
2: Don't I, listen to Mark's episode of the first season because when we don't talk be talking about,
0: him. about my oh, I went, I went. I just
1: sent when him, you told me that, I was like, I so so I have, to share, I, share, have I have to share. I have to share this story with you. So, um, I go to grad school. Haven't heard from Harvey in years, and um, I was having a very difficult time. You know, printmaking was new to me. I didn't make prints until 2006. That was my first introduction to printmaking because the print class at TSU never made because we didn't have students. Mm. So because I needed it to graduate, they made an exception. They opened the class. It was me two, and one other young lady in the class. He would not allow us to touch the press. <laughs> and we did scratch boards. And we did everything but what we were supposed to be doing. That's but anyway... I digress on that. But um, we, uh, I was in grad school. I was having a very difficult time translating my drawings into printmaking. And I was getting bad critique after bad critique after bad critique. And I come home, it's about midnight. I'm ranting and raving to my husband about, you know, I can't get this right. And I called everyone I knew that may be able to put me in contact with Harvey because I, I just couldn't. He had retired, so he wasn't at the school. Um, no one had his number. Um, you know, the whole nine yards. So I get home this particular night, and I finally go to sleep, and I have this dream. And um, in the dream, Mr. Johnson's there, and he says to me, "I said, Mr. Johnson, I've been looking all over for you." And he laughs and he's like, well, here I am. And I said, would you look at my work and tell me what you think? And he says, of course I will. And so in the dream, he's looking around, he's walking around, he's looking at the work. And he turns to me, he says, you know I'm disappointed in you, right? And I said, yeah, I know. And he says to me, you know how to do the work. You forgot to be the artist. Mm. I instantly woke up. The issue was... I was so, because I didn't know printmaking. I was so focused on technique. I forgot to be the artist. Yeah. I forgot to be creative. I forgot to um, not worry about process. I forgot to be the artist. Yeah. Work changed from that point on, but that is the type of impact and the type of relationship that he and I developed over the years and so I recently sent him a copy of Shadows in the Garden Mm -hmm. and to have him I I mean it almost brings me to tears Um, he called me a colleague he told me I had surpassed him in printmaking and that I was a colleague and I i was like whoa that's that's weird that takes a while i'm still processing that because he's he's my mentor he's gonna always be my mentor i look at him as a father and um to have him call me a poet to have him refer to me as his colleague that really means a lot to me a lot a lot so
0: well listen out of respect for you i'm (laughs) gonna stop talking bad about don't be talking bad about my at least on air <laughs> uh, I mean, so the I think thing we is
2: need to facilitate a reunion. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> a I, hour hour I realize I mm-hmm. realize what it is because um, I've been thinking a lot about like where where we speak from a lot of times, mm-hmm. and some of that goes back to you know where we were,
3: mm-hmm. right?
0: Like coming out of a leaf. Mm-hmm playing basketball because that was one of the only things that I like playing basketball and art like those are the things that I was good at the only things that I knew I was good at right Mm -hmm. so if I wasn't I had messed up my knee had knee surgery wasn't playing basketball so I'm in this art classroom like well cool I still have this Mm -hmm. and then to be there and at every turn first three projects D or less.
1: <laughs> you know, um,
0: feeling like if I don't do this, I, I got to go sell drugs. I I'm going to interject
2: you. here because earlier in this interview, you said you needed to take that uh, break to be a better artist.
0: I did need to and take so that so break. No, no. no. A, and I, I understand how things work at the same time. Imagine being an 18-year-old kid. Well, I mean, I I didn't use
1: color until graduate school because in fourth grade I was told I used color incorrectly. Mm -hmm. So I just came back to color Mm -hmm. in, like, 2006, you know? And so I went all this time from fourth grade, you know, 2006. Yeah. To doing color and even then yeah. it was monochromatic mm-hmm. because I didn't have a clear understanding of color and I had this teacher tell me that I was using color incorrectly so you know my approach to my students I try and make it always as positive as possible um, because I understand the impact that you can have on someone yeah. when they feel art is all they have mm-hmm. or yeah. when art is all they have and so um I we've all had the same <laughs> Harvey experiences. <laughs> I promise you, we had. I mean, I failed his class like at least twice. Yeah, twice that that's memorable. Yeah, but because uh, I mean, my friends were like, "Oh my god, you failed Harvey?" I'm like, "Yeah, I got an F in Harvey's class. It wasn't. It wasn't even a, a D. It was like a total F oh, in wow. Harvey's. Class. It's like retake drawing, retake drawing, like." really (laughs) but I mean I'm a better artist for it and I appreciate it now and I understand um, what he was doing I I have an understanding probably wouldn't have been my method or my way of doing it Yeah, but I get it Mm -hmm. I get it I get he's old school I get he's coming from a a whole different place but we all have those Harvey stories but everybody know not talk about my daddy (laughs)
0: listen like I said, out of <laughs> out of respect for you, I'm going to leave him alone. But if you go back and listen to season one. Uh, you can't call it. Wasn't no holding
1: back. We're not going to live in the
0: past. Wasn't no holding back.
2: <laughs> We're not going to live in and the past.
0: And some things may have been said just out of anger. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Can you,
1: you can feel it. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. <fine> because <laughs> in graduate <laughs> school, I never understood um, – Working with the professor I was working with in graduate school, yeah. um, there was a lot of friction between the students and my main professor, my printmaking yeah. professor she was she was a difficult she was a tough a really tough professor, but fair all the same. but there was this this disconnect I think between her and some of the students, but I think it was because they weren't willing to um, I guess accept this idea of apprenticeship or this idea of you know, being the mentee. So Mm -hmm. my thing is, dude, you have to do what she wants you to do for three years. Shut the hell up and do it and do what you want to do. So there were things that she insisted that I do Mm -hmm. that I was just, I can't tell you how opposed I was to to doing this, but I did it. Mm -hmm. And I learned from it. It, But it's just not something that I would practice. Mm -hmm. But I can definitely see Um, where that helped me. So I had this, you know, I wasn't really interested in etching. You know, I wasn't necessarily, you know, I had had picked out my medium. But because she insisted that I experience etching, I experience silk screen, I experience relief, I experience all these areas in printmaking, I do that all now. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's my that's my toolbox, yeah. you know. And and I appreciate her for that because had it not been for her, I would have never done that. I would have walked in with my know-it-all attitude and did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah.
0: yeah. And I get that. Uh, you know, I I think for myself like the way that I've always taught my students and even friends that have wanted to know things is I try to figure out who you are yeah. first. That's important. Because and, and Me trying to teach you how to be like me, that doesn't make any sense, right? Like, one of my first photo professors, he actually told us, he was like, I'm not going to show y'all any of my work until the end of the semester. And everybody was confused about that. I was like, okay, cool. I want to see your shit. (laughs) Well, no, because the thing, what happens is you show people this, they take that as an exemplar, and they're always trying to work to match that.
1: Well, it's interesting because I don't actually hang my work in my own house. Like, people come in, they're like, where's your work on my own? I have my work in the studio. And I feel like um, I like to surround myself with artists that I know, work that I love, but I don't hang my work because there's this competition that you're happening, and you can never raise the bar if you have something that's always Mm -hmm. there. You know, I want other things and, you know, things that I'm not doing in my studio to... You know, I want to wake up in the morning, have something catch my eye and be like, "Ah, maybe I should try that. So you're an art collector. I'm a beginning art collector. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, um, I just uh, acquired a piece from Ariston Jacks, an amazing artist, printmaker I met when I first moved to Arkansas. And his amazing printmaker wife, Latoya which I love. And um her, she's next on my list to acquire, but yeah, I'm I'm a baby collector, you know. As an artist, you can't really afford to collect. So I'm a baby <laughs> collector. And it's like, hey, if you have something fall on the floor you want to trade, <laughs> you know. Give
0: something you accidentally pieces. stepped on. Yeah, you know, I, that's
1: just, okay. Just sign the print. Sign sign the, the footprint. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, yeah, so, I mean, I'm starting to collect because um, I understand the importance of mm-hmm. um, documentation, of documenting this period. Because, like, right now, I think we're in this amazing renaissance i think there's Mm -hmm. another renaissance that's happening so the difference between you know one of the noticeable differences between the renaissance the harlem renaissance and the renaissance that's happening now is that we're not migrating but social media has allowed us to put our work out there and it's a force to be reckoned with Mm -hmm. and um you see the demand for um work by artists of color that's just incredible the works that are going up for auction even though we're not seeing the money but you know um that's amazing that's an amazing thing and i think to document the work that um you know is happening right now is extremely important and i want my son to you know share with his children you know hey i'm like dude do you understand the cool artists and the creatives that you get to hang out with, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I don't know. I'm hoping that he's realizing these amazing people that he's meeting. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, eh, yeah. You How know, old that's is he?
0: 16.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. 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 Nothing special. So, cool I mean, we
0: talked about our sons.
1: Yeah. So heritage. it's just like, <laughs> you know, so I'm hoping that he understands yeah. the yeah. importance. Of the times that he's living in, and um, being able to have friends in that arena—I mean, just amazing people—and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, hold on a second, I want you to meet my son," you know, and having him say, "Oh, okay, well, yeah, my mom hung out with this person. I was there, you know. I went to dinner with this person," and and I want to see that happen. I want him to experience that and really understand yeah. the importance. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what is your favorite? piece that you've collected so far in your baby collection
1: (laughs) oh um, gosh I don't know Um, jeez I don't know what motivates you to
2: pick the pieces that you have in your I'm not going to call it a baby collection in your collection
1: I can afford to collect now (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean um, yeah it's um I mean, I just, to be honest with you, I just wasn't always able to collect. Mm -hmm. And now that, um, you know, when you find yourself in different positions in different places, you know, you try and do what you can in that space. Mm -hmm. So right now, you know, if I can afford an artist, um, I want to actually pay for you. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to haggle with you about your prices if i can't afford you i can't afford you Mm -hmm. but you know if you have something that falls on the floor and you like put it in the that pile Mm -hmm. so we can work something out but um one of the amazing artists that i collected was uh the cuban artist choco which who invited me into his studio and i worked with him for two days um Creating calligraph prints and he was so gracious in opening up his studio and sharing his process with me um critiquing the work i mean just so generous with his time mm-hmm. and so we acquired two pieces of his work and it was just it's just mind-blowing they're really nice <laughs> <laughs> that's <right. laughs> they're really nice you, you had an opportunity to see them um yeah so, yeah, and, and there was another artist there um, who we actually purchased two pieces of his ceramics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we we, we we collected three different artists that were there. And so um, my goal moving forward is to um, collect all my friends. Mm-hmm. So if they're listening, hey, guys, you know.
2: <laughs> I put the same message out to all our past guests. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: So um yeah, so um hopefully, you know, I can build up a collection that I can pass on to my son. He can pass it on to his children and and that. So I mean there's just so many amazing um just kind and general generous artists that are out there and yeah. just just loving caring people and um I am fortunate and blessed enough to be friends with a lot of them. Yeah.
2: That leads me to this question I've been sitting on for I want to implement into all our season two ones. That's is cool. why do you think art is necessary?
1: Well, I'll give you two reasons. The first reason for me, um, I mean, I create art because I have to create art. I quiet those voices in my head. Um, it's it's my it's my um, responsibility to Um, My grandmother was a storyteller, and she's a huge inspiration to me and a huge reason as to um, why my work is um, visually the way it is and a huge impact on me. And I think she was a storyteller, and she passed that role on to me, and art is my voice. Mm -hmm. And so... um, that's why I create art for that but I think art is necessary because it speaks to the soul it speaks to um, the depths of who we are who we are as people, who we are as individuals Um, it talks to us so I think that's why art is important What? Mark,
2: why do you think art is necessary?
0: (laughs) I'm just going to co-sign that I mean, I I I feel the same way. I mean, it's so interesting because when we think about, well, first of all, I want to go back a little bit and talk about the renaissance thing because I was thinking about that. And one of the really cool things about there being this new renaissance now and being able to see work from all over the world on social media is that we realize exactly how related we are to the continent of Africa when we look at this work
3: Mm -hmm. and
0: the work is talking to one another whether it's through the actual forms or through color or the background stories that created the work Mm -hmm. like we realize like shit we are really the same people Mm -hmm. this blood is thick like Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's, it's that's a really really beautiful thing and I think also coming back to the why is art necessary question, it helps us close some of these gaps. Yes, Because we realize that I I learned this thing in physical anthropology that I almost failed at U of H. Uh,
1: (laughs) I can never get into the anthropology class. They're always full. So I could never take I I wanted to take anthropology, but it was like the class was always full.
0: Be glad. You might have failed it. No. (laughs) 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 No, physical anthropology. Uh, Our professor said people don't realize that as humans, we are 99% the same genetically. That 1% is what makes us different. And we're more different than people that are within our same group <laughs> than people who are outside of that group. So you have more in common. It's a you very thing. You know, weird it's funny thing.
1: because when you say, people always wanna say we're the same. And they want to say, you know, we're the same, mm-hmm. you know, we're all human, it, you know, this and that. And it's like, and and I personally want to be like, no, we're not. I was gonna say it. And <laughs> my and, and my thing, and my thing with that is celebrate your differences. Mm-hmm. The problem doesn't come in, I think, because we are different. The problem mm-hmm. comes in because of the disrespect yeah. of our differences. Yeah, really and sense. I think when people want to say we're all the same. You're being lazy.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where I lazy. was going though. Yeah. Like,
1: because you don't want to take the time yeah. to get to know me for who I am. You just want to lump yeah. me into the group so that we can all be comfortable. Yeah. And be and, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you have no idea how many uncomfortable dinners we have <laughs> attended when someone wants to scream, well, we're all the same. And then me is like, no, yeah. we're not. My husband's looking like, Oh God. Yeah. But I mean, it, It's just that laziness is the problem that I have. We are beautifully and majestically different and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, so that's the
0: thing though. Like when we see the things that are the same, I think that helps us to appreciate the differences. Mm -hmm. So even as as I think about, I I always talk about food, right? Like I love food. So we think about beans and rice, right? Mm -hmm. Southern American beans and rice is different than rice and peas in Jamaica. But it's the same so thing. Mm-hmm. So like it, it, you know what I'm saying? The yeah. base of it is the same yeah. thing. It's rice and red kidney beans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Gallo Pinto in, in Cuba, in Costa Rica, in you know, Colombia, and places like this. It's, the base of it is the same. Rice and beans. But the spice of it,
2: it, whenever I travel or go to, uh, (laughs) I always get the chicken, rice, and beans, and I just, I'm like, I can do this. The spice of it is
0: what makes it different. Yeah. That's where it becomes beautiful because I've had gallo pinto in in Costa Rica. I've had beans and rice in Louisiana, raised on that shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I eat, you know, before finding out that I had diabetes, I would fuck up a whole pot of rice and peas. You know what I'm saying? But
1: again, it's like people are lazy. To call like it the same thing is lazy. It's, that's lazy. But to understand, to understand that the, the bases the are similar, similar, but there's a difference <laughs> yeah. and you have the respect for those differences. Exactly. And the, the whole, um, you know, just just trying to immerse yourself yeah. in an understanding of different cultures and, and yeah. um, different ways people do things or process things yeah. that's, that's totally different yeah.
0: and yeah. it's important to be specific yeah. because if I say man I want some rice and beans I'm just, it could be any kind of rice <laughs> and beans you know what I'm saying yeah. it could be pork and beans
3: exactly.
2: with some
0: damn brown rice or some wild rice yeah. that ain't what the hell I want you exactly. know what
2: I'm saying exactly. <laughs> not too good for pork
0: and beans yeah <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Same, but to you oh, yeah. I'm just, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's just, you know. But yeah, like, I know that today I want some rice and peas
3: mm-hmm.
0: with some jerk seasoning on top of that shit. You why know what you, I'm saying? Like, you, why are you I want some. <laughs> if you
1: didn't bring that with you, you know, that's problematic hey, right now.
0: We can make that happen. We <laughs> cook. <laughs>
1: Mark, Mark is a great cook. I'm...
0: Yeah. Like, and that, you know, the funny thing is that actually takes me into my question that I've been sitting on for a little bit that I want to okay. ask but I have to throw this preference this, this preface out there for people that are like why you ask her that that shit sexist I am Mr. Mom <laughs> <laughs> you
3: know
0: what I'm saying like I'm Mr. Mom I cook I clean I take care of my oh, damn children you know I almost
2: finished it with a different lyric but I'm gonna let you <laughs> <laughs>
0: you're stupid. it but and, and so with that, mm-hmm. I always struggle with the juggling of my relationship between me and my wife, my relationship with my son, my relationship mm-hmm. with my daughter, our familial relationship mm-hmm. and working mm-hmm. and getting shit done. So he's asking how me is not it?
2: based on your gender, but based on
0: Right Oh, yeah. I wasn't saying that for her. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Delita would completely understand where I'm coming yeah. from. I'm saying this for the mm-hmm. for the no, no for the listeners yeah, so for all, say, all that shit. Anywho, because I used to be a uh, person.
2: Why, why do you always ask women how do they juggle stuff? I, but because I'm
0: trying to find out. Yeah, do it as a man. <laughs> I shit, like, I, need the re- I need the recipe. <laughs> I'm trying exactly. to figure out my life. Shit, but how do you juggle those things?
1: Oh wow. Okay. So let me say this, and this is my own personal philosophy. You will never find balance. There's going Ooh, to shit. be. I told you that something you gonna be superwoman in the house for maybe a month or two and then you gonna be a kick ass in the studio for a month or two and then you gonna have dishes piling up or all this other stuff I mean it just there's just never a balance you know that there's a there's a shift that's always happening with the balance, mm-hmm. you know. You're just not going to do it. And yeah. if you do do it, you're probably going to die in six months from heart problems, <laughs> cholesterol. You know, I mean, it's stressful. This yeah, is so true. I'm just not even going to lie to you and tell you that you're going to be able to um, find the balance. Because you're not. Um, yeah. What has been important to me is a support system. Mm. And... um the support system with my husband um, my, my he's husband awesome, by the way is he is absolutely incredible mm-hmm. um you know he he has never it has never been to a point where um he's always understood me mm-hmm. he he's he's understood me in that he's like I don't think you understand how important art is to you but I understand and so this is a necessary thing for our family so he's always been a great supporter in that how do we make this happen if you need to go somewhere for six months you know people are always like well I have a family I can't go anywhere I can't do anything he's like well we'll figure it out you know we'll do a visitation or maybe I can shift my job or I could be here this time so he's always been very accommodating Mm -hmm. so that has been wonderful but I don't have a balance Um, I do what I can when I can and we pull together to make it work Um, I just recently had a conversation with him and my son and they informed me that I was a workaholic and I was like really you know and I kind of asked my son how he felt about it he was like I always know where you are and I'm like (laughs) okay and I'm like you know is that good or is that that bad and so he doesn't you know I thought that maybe it bothered him but it doesn't I think he They find it funny. They have their little private jokes about where I am, but um, they understand that I need this to be the best me yeah. for them. Yeah. And so it works, and we figure it out together. But if you're trying to find that balance, you know, get this perfect balance between life and work as an artist, yeah, that ain't happening. But let me know if you get it together. I mean, well non-artist
2: speaking care that was something that i struggled struggle i'm not even gonna say struggled with Mm -hmm. and my therapist helped me change my perspective that i don't have to find balance because i've spent my entire life like i have to balance things or i spiral out she was like just focus on harmony i was like oh this makes so much sense she was like if you don't have anything to give to x today don't Don't give give it yeah yeah focus on whatever and and that's it's made life has been i mean it's not perfect, but life has been a lot easier. Saying, "Okay, I don't have this balance, but I I found yeah. or I'm
1: finding harmony. Yeah, and it works. And I'm probably gonna get a lot of flack for that, but there is no such thing. Yeah, I yes, agree but my perfect, with my therapist. agrees with perfect balance. Um, you know, yeah, I think that makes sense. It just it if, just doesn't.
0: If there was a way to find perfect balance,
1: we would have found it. back by- <laughs>
0: People would stop writing about the shit and everything. Yeah, like, <laughs> we like, stop asking how that question.
1: Bottle it up and market it. Yeah,
0: we stop asking each other. Yeah. So how do you balance?
1: I don't.
0: Man, none of us do. Like what the don't hell? Don't.
2: Well, I think because it, it gives way to a conversation no one wants to have is that our society is not built for people to have balance. Like you have to eat. I mean, you have to work to eat, live, and all yeah. that. What mm-hmm. happens when you can't work? So mm-hmm. there is no. Yeah, yeah but our society I mean, is not conducive to actual I don't think ballots. I tell him
1: enough, but like I said, my husband's absolutely yeah. amazing. I mean, he he's everything in fine print. It's like we need to take this, we need to load this artwork up, we need to drive it to to New Orleans, or we need to go yeah. this. I mean, just whatever um, I need, him and my son yeah. have been supportive in that way, and I in turn try and be as supportive for whatever their dreams and endeavors are.
0: Mm-hmm. vernie wants me to hurry up and make things pop off so she could just travel with me. There you go. Like, <laughs> like you my go. son doesn't care; he doesn't want to go anywhere. He'll just be like, "Can you guys make sure I have mini corn dogs?" Uh, well, you've got a house sitter. <laughs> and my daughter, like, I it doesn't matter. Like Either that. way, she's gonna have a problem with something. That's just, <laughs> Done to
1: my friend like that. Yeah,
0: you know that girl's mean.
1: yeah I, I think it was really interesting. um you know, when you think your child isn't paying attention, they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember um, actually seeing my son at the Crystal Bridges Show um, State of the Arts exhibition. And I'm like, and I switch over to mommy mode. and I'm like, okay, where's my child? There's a huge crowd here. And, um, I hear him talking to this gentleman he's like oh yes my mom's one of the artists here and this is her work and her work is about this and i'm looking at him like oh my god he has been listening to every single thing i've been saying and he gets it Mm -hmm. and i and to see him and to hear him um talk about me and to talk about my work i felt the pride that he had and it just encouraged me to work even harder mm-hmm. to know that your child is proud of you. Yeah. And they want to, you know, in his words, flex. And it's like, you know, I'm flexing because that's my mama. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And and that always makes me feel really good because I want to set an example for him. And I want him to know that you can do anything that you set your mind to. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, you can be any, anything. So it's always important.
0: Yeah. I think, it, like, that's one of those things that I think is good for um, everyone to hear, mm-hmm. for sure. But artists, because we, we all struggle with that. And, you know, we, we see the, some people that seem to have their life in perfect order and they're successful. And He's talking
1: about a Facebook post.
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's
1: talking about a really good Instagram hey, slash Facebook post basically. that just... Yeah, whatever,
0: dude. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I know for myself, I'm just like, sometimes I look at these things. I'm like, how the hell you do that? Like, what the hell? That shit got to be fake. Like, I don't. (laughs) Because, I I mean, I think I do a good job of balancing, but I still feel stressed sometimes. Like, at the end of the day, be like, damn, did I do enough work in the studio? Did I do enough with, you know, connecting with people on my photography tip? Did I make sure I showed my son and my daughter enough love? Does my wife feel love? Does she feel attractive? Does she feel like I'm, I'm doing what I need to do? Like
1: <laughs> Those are all questions that I think we all have, you yeah. know, whether you're in the arts or not in the Unless arts. Unless you don't care. Unless you don't. Care. <laughs> it's but, easy um, to not give fuck. <laughs> but I think when you come to the realization that there's really no such thing as perfect balance. Yeah. You I think that's a good portion of the stress that you feel is like totally lifted off. And I mean, being okay with that is is extremely important. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Cuz I realized like yesterday was a heavy photo day. Um I'm Actually, this Monday and yesterday were heavy days for me in terms of getting things done. And today was an earlier start than usual. I didn't have my smoothie. I didn't have my run. When I go home, I'm probably, I'm going to say I'm probably going to relax on the couch and watch TV, but I'll probably have my laptop. No. and I'll be editing photos. Now I, but do think now, I do think
1: it's important and this is something I need to work on is we need to figure out how to kind of disconnect from technology mm. and how we need to take those breaks. And I think I'm at a point now where I, I need a break. Yeah. And, um, you know, getting back to reading the book and not the iPad, mm-hmm. getting back mm. to taking a walk not watching the TV, yeah, getting you know, listening to some music, you know, just yeah. going to see a band. I mean, doing those physical things where you're physically engaged and you don't have that phone yeah. in, in your hand all the time. I think that that's necessary to um, oh, absolutely to having a level of peace and mm-hmm. get releasing some of that anxiety. Yeah. Um, I think that's. I think that's an important studio practice element too.
0: I mean, those days where I have to have my laptop in front of me Mm -hmm. are they're cool because I'm getting things done. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the best days for me are when I get to be in the studio listening to music. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I have a hard time with, I I can't turn it off. That's my, I can't turn the creative process off. Mm -hmm. And so I'm having dinner with my family and somebody moves the fork in a certain direction i'm like ah you know that's an aha moment for me and i'm like okay babe what do you think about this and i describe this entire art piece and he's just looking at me like yeah that sounds good babe yeah that you know and then i'm like i feel bad because i'm like yeah we're having dinner i should not be talking about art and so they informed me that and, and I didn't notice it. And we were having dinner um, with a couple in Germany. And my son was like, my mom does art things to relax. <laughs> He's like, art is her job. But even when she's relaxing, she's reading art books or she's, mm-hmm. you know, drawing something out or whatever. And it's just, you know, we, we have to find out, figure out how to disconnect but reconnect with who we are reconnect with nature reconnect yeah. with the spiritual side of who we are those are all necessary things and for me necessary to having a healthy uh studio practice
0: I agree I agree
3: Glad you agree
0: Yeah I mean I think. Uh, well, I don't think I've I've been at a loss for ro- words in several moments just because I'm processing mm-hmm. in uh, in real time. <laughs> so well, it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, been,
1: it's such an evolution, and it's like none of this. I'm not saying anything new. I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said before. A million people gonna say this when I'm gone, but. Um, it's something it's just part of the realization part of the many realizations that I've gotten to in an effort to become a better me
0: yeah but I think what it is is that it's for me maybe it's the frequency that I need
3: you know
0: what I'm saying so that's why I'm processing the way that I do because usually I'm just like okay cool yeah like I'm still processing but it's it it just hits a little different so
1: (laughs) well yeah i mean you know i've had moments when when um i've gone into people's studios into their spaces and i always love doing that because i get to hear get to see them and their element and Mm -hmm. how they process things and it's just amazing to do that so i understand this whole you know yeah that those moments um but it's just i it it has been such a necessary part of my growth as an artist my my growth and my effort to find peace peace of mind um you know just to become a better me a better mother a better wife all of those things a better friend um is finding that peace and finding you know accepting who I am acceptance yeah. is big too. Mm-hmm accepting who you are because I'm like yeah there's no such thing as balance we off yeah, ain't nothing happening in the house right something's now something's
0: always going to fall by the wayside yeah. because and that's why I love my husband so much because he
1: picks up the pieces he's, he's that person that picks up the pieces I mean you know I'm out here working and he comes out and with a plate and he's like you haven't eaten today or you know here's your coffee for this morning or here's your tea you know I made you some tea You know, having um, that type of partnership, and it doesn't have to be with a spouse. It could be with a bestie. It could be with a family member. It could be with anybody. Just finding a support system really, really helps, Mm -hmm. you know, helps you on your journey.
3: Yeah.
2: So Mm -hmm. when Delita Martin is in the art history and art literature books, Mm -hmm. what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Someone asked me that once, and it was like one of those moments. They asked me on the spot. I was doing a talk, and they were like, well, how, well, you know, what is your legacy? I want to be for other artists. What art what John Biggers, Elizabeth Catlett, Betty Saar, Alison Sarr, Whitfield LeVale, Gauguin. All of those artists, what they have helped me to figure out in my work, I want to be that for other artists. I want them to say, you know what, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to work this whole color thing out in my work. Who do I know that's doing what I want to do or did what I want to do? Mm -hmm. You know what, Delita Martin did. Let me go study her work. I want to be able to teach in that way. And all of those artists did, and many more, Charles White, all of those artists did that for me. They were, um, all these books you see in here, there's a section um, that I call my Bibles. And those are my go-to books. Mm-hmm. If I'm having an issue with, you know, how do I draw the, the figure? You know, I look at John Biggers. When I look at, you know, Gargan, I, I um, look at composition. Uh, Whitfield Lavelle, I look at his pencil work. Um, Jim Dine, I love his mark making and his aggressiveness in, in the way he, he makes his mark. So I look at all these artists for different Reasons, mm-hmm. and those. Um, I want to be that for other artists.
0: I think you're on your way.
1: Marks a little tear. I think you're
0: on your way. <laughs> Why are you making things up? <laughs> <laughs> I hope you fall off that big bean bag and your hip. I probably will. Uh, <laughs> I probably will. <laughs> no, I, I definitely think you're you're on your way because I think well, the first you. part of that is dedicating yourself to your work. And sharing along the way, like oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see, you know, uh, I feel like that's that's kind of, you know.
1: Yeah, my grandmother always told me when you keep your hands closed, you can't get anything in it either. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I I don't I love sharing my process. I probably share more than I, you know, yeah. more than people. You know, some people avoid. Like, are you sure you should be sharing that? You know, I'm like, I'm not the person that invented this. You know, yeah. this has been done before, and i've had people email me ask me particular things and i love sharing I, yeah. you know
0: it's yeah. fun i give you all the secrets to my work that doesn't mean we're going to make the same damn work yeah
1: and, and i mean <laughs> i look at the it's like it's funny because like i don't view them as secrets because yeah. i got it from somebody else you yeah. know or it was definitely inspired by somebody else so yeah. you know being able to um now i do think it's very important that when you do um, get information from people, or you're influenced by people. I always try and credit people where I can. Mm-hmm. And also, really understand what it is they did and not take the process or the technique or the style, but take the principle mm-hmm. and apply mm. it to your work. Yeah. That's important.
3: Yeah.
1: That's a good art thief yeah. that yeah. does that. That's a real art thief. Yeah. <laughs> so it's about, um, Understanding what you're doing and incorporating that into your your process. Yeah,
0: I, I've 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 I'm enjoyed our time together. Yeah, I was
1: gonna say, I and not just appropriation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Very. I mean, you know, I well, whenever we great.
2: wrap up these interviews, I'm like, oh, this felt so good. I'm inspired. I'm inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's, it's so great. weird
1: because it's like I can talk shop like day. Oh, like I'm totally yeah. comfortable. I'm like, I hope I'm not like talking oh, no, oh no, not at you're all. You're good.
0: We we like when guests take over and just talk like just do your thing because there you have it (laughs) i mean that's what people want to hear right and that's why this this podcast was created because we want to know more
1: well i appreciate (laughs) i mean i appreciate being on the show no
0: we we appreciate you very much very much we sincerely uh thank you for doing this welcoming us into your space um, way like out that. in the middle of nowhere.
1: I am still uh, in Houston, Harris County.
0: This is unincorporated <laughs> Harris County. than <been> a month. <laughs> <laughs> I was
1: I was told that I should put gas cards in a candy dish and pass out like candy <laughs> for when people come. But you know, the cool thing is, like the you know, I've, life, we've we- always lived inner city. Yeah. And when I was like in inner city, like in Little Rock downtown area people were always coming into the studio which was fabulous to me but Little I Rock wasn't... has a downtown don't be talking about Little Rock
2: <laughs> I also had the that's, same question that's, like, my, <coughs> that's my
1: second yes is
2: okay. it like one street like a main street that just drives through
0: it that's called main street
2: yeah. you know what <laughs> oh I'm right okay. you
1: guys need to go... no you're not <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to go to Little Rock that is like seriously all jokes aside so I'm going to segue back to what I was saying but I first moved to Little Rock um, I I have to be honest my friends in Little Rock have never heard this before but I was like what the hell mm-hmm. have you gotten me into that's what I'm telling my husband so we're moving around he's human resources we're moving around because we weren't eating off my salary mm-hmm. you know I'm kind of partial to a roof over my head all that stuff so we're in Little Rock and I'm just like really but let me tell you I met some of the most incredible Incredible people in Little Rock of all the places we've lived they are just how do you go into the grocery store and come out with dinner plans with a stranger it's unbelievable moved there with my son he's um, pre, pre, preschool mm-hmm. um, about to turn 5 wants a birthday party baby we've been here like a month 2 months maybe you don't really have any friends but mommy's gonna make it as special as possible so my neighbor across the street well we talk a couple of times hi how are you doing and I just happen to vaguely mention to her it's my son's birthday he wants to have a party she's like what are you gonna do well he wants to have a party but we don't really know anyone you know that whole thing my son's birthday comes around she has two twins on a hip her other son and some other kids from around the neighborhood and they're knocking on the door with cake presents and all of that to say happy birthday. And the kids are like, Hey kid, that's what they're calling each because they don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. They're like, Hey kid, Hey you. <laughs> and it was just that, ha- that was my experience in little rock. Mm-hmm. Just everybody, the artists there are incredible you wouldn't think the art scene is what it is there but it's an incredible art scene an incredible supportive art scene for their artists mm. and i was sleeping in little rock and if i ever had to move anywhere mm. again it would be back to little rock my
0: my knowledge of little rock is uh the Banging in Little Rock documentary of the gang. See, I watched <laughs> that before we moved. When, when he first
1: told me we were moving to Little Rock, now, I'm not saying that, you know, there's not crime. Because there's crime everywhere. There's crime everywhere. There's, crime everywhere. <laughs> there's crime everywhere. But I did watch that documentary before we left.
0: Banging in Little Rock is iconic.
1: And I'm just going to be honest with you. I, that was not my experience I would hope not it was totally not my experience I mean I just I can't begin to tell you what an amazing and and so again having moved around a lot that is the only city that I actually physically talk to people on like a monthly basis from there. Like it's nothing for me to call people up and like, Hey, what you doing? You know, that kind of thing. And it's not, I keep up with them on social media. It's like, we're calling like, Hey, what's going on? What's up? You know? So what's happening at the university who, you know, who's doing what now, you know, it's that kind of thing. So, I mean, people be sleeping on, I was sleeping on little rock, but it, it was an amazing, amazing experience.
0: Hey, there are lots of places that are unexpected.
1: That's um, one of those places.
0: But I'm still gonna get these jokes off.
1: You can get the jokes. <laughs> off I mean, I had them too. I had them too. I really, really did. Yeah. And um, like I said, I just—it's one of the places where I definitely between I mean, Houston, amazing. between Houston and there, I call home. Mm-hmm.
0: Listen, we're gonna spare y'all the rest of this. Um, but where can our
1: listeners so find you on? Oh yes, on that is internet. very important yes um Interworks. my website is blackboxpressstudio.com um i'm also on uh facebook as delita pinchback martin and i am on instagram as Black Box Press. so hopefully you'll follow me um i uh, i love sharing what i do i share a lot of my processes on social media and um you also get to really see a glimpse into my life. I mean, the two just kind of spill over into each yeah. other. You get to see my mug collection and all that good stuff. So, yeah.
0: We have to take a picture of that mug for the, the people to see. My time. Reclaiming my time.
1: Yes, that's right. Well, I have. <laughs> you know, you haven't seen the whole collection over there, but yeah, I love graphic mugs. That's like my yeah. favorite mm. pastime is collecting graphic mugs. What do you Can't say, the comment i've yeah. thought
0: about that actually
1: i would
2: love that yeah
0: we'll do that yeah. we'll, we'll make that happen and
2: we'll make sure you get one
0: yes <laughs> yes that. absolutely um but again delete we really 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 thank you for really really uh, really really it is
1: a pleasure <laughs> it's great having people into the studio so thank you
0: cool now you can't get rid of us
1: Oh no! you gotta hang out and see what's going on next time we'll carpool <laughs>
0: how we gonna carpool I live on one side of the world you live on the other she'll
1: drive to you and then you'll drive here there you go
0: she may she may not Um, but um,
2: thank you I really enjoyed this and
0: to our listeners thank you guys for uh, sticking with us and uh, listening
1: feel free to pass questions on to them or email me if you have any questions please
0: where, where would you like them to email you?
1: They can email me at Delita at blackboxpressstudio.com There you go.
0: There you go. And she won't be dodging like that person you're texting right now. <laughs> <laughs> you won't get ghosted or zombied.
2: Mind your business. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, on behalf of
2: Raquel Simone
0: and myself, Mark Francis, we thank you all for listening. And Peace.
2: Bye.